What's up, Law Nation? As always, I hope you're having a fantastic week. If you're feeling stuck but want to start taking back control of your life, a great place to start is by going to escapethebillable.com and downloading our Billables to Abundance Bible, a field guide to getting started with passive investing. All right. I'm sure you've heard all the rage about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and the underlying technology behind it called blockchain, right? I mean, it's hard not to. That's all you hear about nowadays. Uh, we've seen Bitcoin skyrocket in overnight Dogecoin millionaires. In later episodes, we'll dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly about investing directly into cryptocurrencies. But today, we're going to prime the pump with a unique aspect of real estate investing that utilizes the blockchain technology. Our guest of honor, Michael Flight, is a founding principal of Concordia Realty Corporation, CEO of Liberty Real Estate Fund, LLC, the world's first net lease security token fund. Michael is a real estate entrepreneur and security token evangelist who is an expert in retail real estate investments, redevelopment, real estate tokenization, and real estate on the blockchain. Today, he'll guide you from the basics of blockchain all the way through cutting edge tokenized funds. All right. Let's get it on. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Michael Flight, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Hi, Seth. How you doing? It's really great to be invited here. Really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, really appreciate you coming on today. Well, let's let's jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your background. What's your story? Uh, I've been in commercial real estate since 1986. I actually um, did apartment rehabbing while I was in a senior in college. Uh, been primarily in retail real estate since 1986. We founded our own company back in 1990, uh, have worked with large institutional investors. Uh, we've done everything from um, what's called de-malling, taking you know 800,000 million square foot malls and um, repurposing them to strip centers or completely tearing them down and doing change of use with them. Uh, we've also done, uh, you know, apartment investing, uh, single family flips on my own with uh, a partner. So I've done just about everything, but my specialty really is with retail real estate. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, and I think that that's kind of the the subject matter of the elephant in the room here, man. Tell us about the Liberty Real Estate Fund. Well, Liberty Real Estate Fund is the world's first net, le net lease security token fund. Um, so a security token is just basically like a normal private real estate investment, but it has this extra layer on which increases options for investors. It's really a phenomenal thing for investors because they're not locked up in what typically could be a five, seven or 10 year real estate investment. Uh, and the other cool thing is it, it does a bunch of other things that we will probably get into later. Uh, but at the base of it, uh, we are a super stable cash flow real estate fund. We're a core plus fund. Uh, we are investing in billion dollar corporations and they're guaranteeing the leases. So 
if you look at a occupancy chart uh, with all the different asset classes, single tenant net leases uh, are always at the top of highest occupancy. And um, through thick and thin, it's just it printing out cash flow. Uh, we like to call it the uh, mailbox money machine. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's a lot to unpack there, especially if you don't know anything about funds or, you know, tokenization or even, you know, triple net leases. So let's start with piece by piece. Let's start with the real estate. So why single tenant triple net leases? First of all, what are they? Okay, well, um, retail real estate, which is shopping centers, malls and uh, individual single tenants. So for the best uh, example of a single tenant net lease property would be the McDonald's that you see on the corner or the Walgreens or the, the Dollar General or any one of those. Uh, and it could also be a net lease with a casino. So MGM Grand and those guys uh, all sold off all their real estate. And so their real estate is actually on a complete net lease. And why we like net leases, if, especially if you're looking for passive income, is there's no tenants, no toilets, no trash. Okay, the tenant pays for the real estate taxes, the tenant pays for the insurance, which includes the liability insurance, because I know you're uh, talking with attorneys and they're always looking <laughs> to see. So uh, it, it, uh, they pay for not only the property insurance, but also the liability insurance um, and the tenant maintains the property. So if it, there's a parking lot out there, the tenant is snow plowing it, the tenant is sweeping it. Uh, if there's a roof leak, the tenant is fixing it and everything inside the tenant store is absolutely 100% the tenant's responsibility. Gotcha. So what is the landlord's responsibility? If, if we're just, we'll single out just one property. Let's say you're the landlord, you own the property, you've got a, a single tenant net lease. Um, what do you have to do? I mean, what, what are your responsibilities from the landlord's perspective? Well, let's say we had a, a McDonald's or, or a Walgreens. Um, number one, you would uh, be responsible. They, they typically um, wire the money to your bank account directly every month. They don't typically do checks anymore. So they're called ACH payments. So it, it gets in, and it's also typically in your bank account uh, anywhere from seven days to, to one day before the beginning of the month. So it's not like you have to chase these tenants. The other thing that you're responsible for is you need to make sure that the tenant pays the real estate taxes. So you need to check and make sure that those real estate taxes have been paid, especially if you have a mortgage on the property. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to make sure and request that the tenant um, sends you a certificate of insurance naming you as the landlord. So let's say it's Seth Bradley, Walgreens, California, LLC. Uh, they should be naming you as the, um, as the additional insured on that, just in case somebody slips and falls or anything else. Um, and then the other thing is you want to, it, it, they're maintenance free, but you at least want to once a year, maybe twice a year, I would recommend sometimes four times a year, just confirm that the tenant is maintaining the property. Uh, we also request that the tenant send us a um, HVAC, which is heating, ventilation, and air conditioning uh, system. We uh, say that they need to have a, uh, a, a contract in place to maintain that, and they need to send us proof that they have that contract and that they're doing so that they every quarter somebody's up there changing the filters, fixing it, checking to make sure that there's nothing major wrong because 
you get that um, equipment back at the end of the lease. So you want to make sure that the tenant maintains it. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds really appealing to many of our listeners who are full-time W-2s and they don't want to deal with the tenant's toilets and trash. Um, so this asset type seems like, you know, it could be a really good option. Um, so why were these types of properties chosen as the target asset type for this particular fund? Uh, truthfully, it's all I know how to do. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it, it's, it's been our progression. As I said, we were doing larger shopping centers. We were doing extensive redevelopment of shopping centers. Uh, we have a, a history of, of doing you know, thousands of leases. Um, so we know the retail space uh, really well. And um, what we wanted to, it, and there's been a migration from malls to what we call strip centers, which are open shopping centers that you could drive up to and park in front of, to out parcels. And especially with COVID, um, tenants now want some sort of drive-through. They want some sort of uh, opportunity where people don't have to go in the store, they can just pick something up. And so we were looking at this as a preferred route to go back in 2018. Uh, we also really liked uh, what we call medtail uh, tenants, which are um, medical, dental, uh, like Fresenius or Davita Dialysis or Aspen Dental, or you guys have Pacific Dental out there. So those tenants are corporately guaranteed uh, plus they've got like, you know, long-term leases and typically doctors and dentists don't move because once they establish their location, right. um, it's really hard for them to move their practice. So that kind of in a nutshell is, is how we got to, uh, and we wanted to put together the perfect internet resistant portfolio. So, gotcha. and that kind of ties in with um, the security token part of it. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's keep building this. So let's, let's just ask the question. I mean, what is a fund for those that don't know? A fund is a, a collection of property. So you could look at it as a portfolio um, or you could look at it as like a mutual fund or in an ETF. And so with this particular fund, since we're investing in different industries and different brand name tenants, um, you literally are getting like a bond portfolio because we like to describe net leases as bonds wrapped in real estate because the tenant is guaranteeing that income just like they would guaranteeing a, um, a payment. And so instead of getting your principal back uh, at the end of the lease, you actually have a hard tangible asset that has some value to it. Um, but typically these tenants roll over. We have a Walgreens that we did the lease, uh, in, well, I didn't do it, so I wasn't alive, but the, the lease was done in 1957 before zip codes. Um, we relocated them uh, out to an out parcel, and now they have another 50-year lease. And, uh, you know, Walgreens is going to be there as long as Walgreens is in business. And we think that, you know, pharmacies have, have some legs, uh, you know, not only in the pharmacy business, but also because they're kind of like a convenience, you know, little mini grocery store in the front. Gotcha. Yeah. So what, what's kind of the difference or what are some of the pluses and minuses uh, comparing a fund that you just described to, uh, you know, a, a typical single property syndication that, that our listeners might be familiar with? Well, I can tell you that the, the fund, you have a diversified pool of assets. So some people will do an apartment fund and they might have apartments in all in the same state or in different states. Our fund is going to be geographic, 
geographically diversified in um, what we like to call the smile states or southern states um, because they're lower regulation, lower taxes, and higher population growth. Uh, so we're geographically diversified, we're industry diversified, and we're tenant, you know, credit diversified. Uh, but the, the the great point about a fund is is that um, you do get this diversification of income. So it's not all one tenant. Uh, it's kind of like the difference between doing a single family house versus doing a 200 unit apartment building. You've got your risk spread over a, a number of tenants. The drawbacks to a fund can be if the uh, sponsor or the manager of the fund doesn't know what they're doing or make some mistakes or doesn't know how to operate the fund. So that's one of the drawbacks. And you know, I'm sure you've got some other questions on you know, potential drawbacks that you might wanna to ask too. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it goes into putting your trust in the sponsor, right? You've got if you're if you're going to participate in a fund, you need to make sure the sponsors, like you said, know what they're doing, um, know the right properties to buy, because that that's what it is. It's a blind fund, so you don't know exactly what properties you're participating in. So you put a lot of uh, a lot of trust in those sponsors to to uh, execute the business plan. Yeah, and I would say that you also, um, so I, I know you've talked about multifamily in the past and it's been something that you were interested in. You're also putting a lot of trust in somebody to actually execute on their business plan, even on a single asset. Sure. So no matter what anybody, no matter what you're investing in, if it's you know one property, if it's 200 properties, um, it's really, do they know what they're doing? Do they have experience with the asset class? Have they been through some downturns, uh, have they been through? What, what I like to ask um, our employees is tell me, you know, a difficult situation that you've dealt with that, um, and, and how did you deal with it and how'd you come out of it? And I invite our potential investors to, to ask us, it's like, tell us what some of the things that could go wrong and tell us some of the similar things that have happened to you. So I can tell you stories about environmental issues. I could tell you stories about you know, tenant bankruptcies. I could tell you about, you know, um, changes in zoning, uh, all kinds of, I mean, you name it, uh, we've been, or actually personally, I've uh, had a very, very expensive education of mistakes, but uh, we've, yeah. we've never lost a property. Yeah, so. and that's a good way to, to gauge the, the operator's honesty and transparency too, right? If they've been in business for 20 years and they don't have any story to tell you that something went wrong, then they're probably lying to you. Uh, so yeah, it's just I, a really good way to kind of gauge their honesty. And, and that's obviously really important too. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I've never seen any property that's been flawless. I mean, maybe they're, they are out there, but um, you know, you, you, there's, there's little, you know, quirks on, on every deal, even if it was a home run. Yeah. Yeah. Now with a fund though, you know, you don't necessarily get to see the properties up front, what they're going to buy, but there are certain parameters that are associated with it um, that the sponsors can set. What, what are some of those parameters for the, the Liberty real estate fund other than triple net uh, single tenant leases? Okay. So we have very specific industry criteria. We have very specific state criteria. So we're only investing in certain states. Um, we have very specific criteria in terms of um, how expensive it is because we don't want one particular asset or one particular set of tenants um, being too much. So what we're trying to do is get complete diversification in the portfolio, complete uh, diversification in the tenant mix and complete diver 
I, I'm, I shouldn't say complete, but as you know, good of you know, diversification as you could possibly get in, in terms of doing um, you know, the, the individual tenants and, and their credit. So for example, with us, we have a, we're, we're trying to stay away from, cause there's a, a top end, which if you get above $5 million in the, the triple net space, you're competing not only with individual investors that are, are wealthier, but you're also starting to compete with institutional investors. Mm -hmm. And we try and stay uh, above a million dollars because below a million dollars, you don't get um, some of the asset quality. Now we, we are taking a look at some because you do find some asset quality, but there's a lot more competitive uh, interest from individual investors there. So our sweet spot is between Four million and one and a half million uh, dollars for an acquisition price. Uh, we are looking at automotive services, uh, car washes, uh, convenience stores, uh, drug stores, dollar stores. As we said, medical retail. We really, really like medical uh, retail. So that's uh, dental and medical. And uh, there's oh, and we really like uh, uh, mobile phone stores. So sell your stores um, because you get uh, some really nice deals uh, in great locations and their uh, AT&T, Verizon Credit or T-Mobile, which is, you know, uh, backed by Deutsche Telekom. So that, that's the type of things that we're, we're looking at. And we really like states like uh, Texas, Florida, uh, those southern states, Tennessee, uh, we, you know, if we could find assets in Washington, since it's a tax-free state, but it's a little harder to find stuff out there. Um, but uh, we love the Carolinas. So that, that whole area up into Virginia, because Virginia, um, while it's not the greatest on regulation, is expanding because as we know, the federal government keeps expanding. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what I'm hearing there, at least with respect to the tenants, trying to build up that uh, internet resistance, right? These are businesses that are, are not going to sustain major losses or go out of business because um, the internet boom and the internet economy. That is 100%. The reason why we developed the fund with the tenants that we did was we wanted services and we wanted retailers. Oh, we I forgot grocery stores. Um, and so we, you know, put together the portfolio selection and said, we're going to do this back in 2019. And so internet resistant has also proven to be uh, pandemic resistant. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's jump into the blockchain, which you're going to have to help me guide this a little bit because I don't know a lot about it. I know everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about Bitcoin and it's going through the roof. And then, you know, the underlying technology behind the Bitcoin is actually the blockchain. So tell me from the start, what is blockchain technology? Well, blockchain technology in a nutshell is uh, a, what's called a distributed ledger. So you are familiar with spreadsheets. Um, so this is basically like a giant spreadsheet. Um, and then furthermore, every time, so, so let's say you're working on a Google sheet. Um, and so if you make an entry into that Google sheet, um, that Google sheet has to be updated and confirmed by a bunch of other computers. So it's basically this network of computers that verifies every transaction in the ledger. And so if a new transaction is added, all the other um, computers on the, the, um, the network need to confirm it and come up with a consensus. 
So if you think about it, um, it's like a block here. And then when the next block is added, all these computers confirm that, and then it keeps just adding on. So it, you can look back through the chain and see all the transactions. So it's really works well for real estate, especially titles at some point, um, because people are gonna see that this particular real estate title was put on the blockchain here. And then it's like a fly in amber, you know, when they find these prehistoric, um, you know, flies stuck in the middle uh, of a, uh, you know, a, a, um, a petrified, uh, you know, honey or petrified sap, um, it stays there. So it, it's forever there on the blockchain. And it, you can't, it's very hard to, to change the blockchain. Um, so that's why they call it a distributed ledger. And they call it basically trustless because it's not one central bank telling you that all these transactions are correct. It's the entire network that has to agree that these transactions are correct. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's like having a million proofreaders. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You've got it perfect. So that, that's a great. I, I need that for sure. <laughs> um, and then once and then once you get it down that it's confirmed that it's correct, you can't change it. Right. So that's correct. Secure. That's correct. That's so, correct. So, so how is this technology being utilized in this fund? All right. So what we are doing is we are uh, issuing a, it's a normal 506C um, offering in the U.S. And we're also offering it to non-U.S. investors as a regulation S um, uh, investment. But uh, the, the really cool thing is, is that it's going to also have this added benefit of being a security token. So once the security token is put onto the blockchain, that's an individual asset that somebody owns. So you've taken, in our case, this fund and divided it up into $50,000 increments. And so however many of those tokens you have as a $50,000 increment, that's a tradable asset now. So you personally, if you've invested in a real estate syndication in the past, which is uh, a group of investors coming together, um, that is tied up for a number of years, uh, you still have that share, which you can pass on to your relatives and everything like this. But with the token, you can actually, uh, uh, so let's say you've got $100,000 worth of tokens at $10,000 each, you can actually do your estate planning, you know, while you're still alive and divide up the tokens and give them to your kids, give them to your wife, uh, or donate some of the tokens. Uh, but the other cool thing is the SEC has allowed that after a one-year lockup period, U.S. investors can trade their tokens. So you and I can go and do what's called a peer-to-peer -peer trade. So I have, you know, fifty thousand dollars worth of tokens. I, I might have a hundred thousand. I want to, you know, take fifty thousand to make a new investment in something else. So I go to you, Seth, and I say, Seth, would you be interested in this cash-flowing asset? And here's what the returns are. And you say, yeah. And so we go and we can just go into the portal and just trade it peer to peer. And so as long as you, you put up the money and I put up the tokens, the trade goes through. So there's no human intervention. The other cool thing about it is you could be in Japan um, 12 hours time difference from me uh, or 13 hours time difference from me. And uh, these, these trades can go through 24 seven. You don't have to wait for a market to be open. These trades happen instantaneously it's it, as soon as it's written to the blockchain it goes through you now control that asset um 
there's other really cool benefits. If you want, we can keep going or you can ask me questions there and then we can go on to the next. Uh, yeah, um, so I just wanted to unpack that a little bit. So 506C, meaning it's for accredited investors only for those that don't know. Um, alienability sounds like the big thing, right? I mean, whenever you participate in one of these uh, typical traditional syndications, you're locked in for that time period. I mean, there may be a way to to sell it to you know somebody or, or the, the company might buy it back, but it's really difficult. You're really locked in for that five or seven year whole period or however long it might be. And what I'm hearing is um, because you've been able to implement this blockchain technology, you will be able to trade uh, your shares and get out of the deal really if you want to. This gives investors extra options, which is why we really like it and, and which is why we're doing it, because it gives investors the options that they don't currently have in private real estate investments. It also is going to open up worldwide access to not only U.S. investments, but also U.S. investors investing all over the world. And at some point, they're going to be able to invest in, you know, London real estate on their smartphone. So, you know, in yeah. right now, it's really difficult to do that. This is going to be, you know, so the blockchain is like the rails that this all runs on. Um, and so it's, it's like the, it's going to be the next financial system, just like the internet changed communications. Uh, the blockchain is changing the financial system. And so that's the way the, the things in the future are gonna run. Um, the other cool thing about this is, is that you can invest in US dollars and potentially take your money out in like a US dollar stable coin, or you could take your money out in Ethereum. So you can actually um, dollar cost average out of the dollar, so to speak, um, or you for uh, non-US investors, they can invest in this and, and get into dollars or just have an asset that's stable, cash flowing, tangible asset someplace else, which is very, um, appealing to some investors in, let's say, Africa, uh, Southeast Asia, and different parts of South America. They just want to get their money out of a depreciating um, a currency. And so they can get this and they'll get a stable, you know, basically. And the other great thing is, even if you're a U.S. investor, you can re your money can go into what's called a wallet. Um, so when you invest in cryptocurrency and it's an electronic wallet, so you don't have to have your money sent to a bank. You can have your money sent to a wallet and then get that money out of there anywhere you are in the world. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. There are a couple other things that I wanted to point out there too. It sounded like you're, you're going to be able to cut out um, a, a lot of the middlemen out of, out of the transactions, which meaning you're going to be able to cut down on the transaction costs too. We hope that's going to be the case. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you right now. Um, it, it is not the case, but mm -hmm. at some point um, there's a lot of paper shuffling that goes on and there's yeah. a lot of, you know, things from here to there that go on. And at some point, um, you know, that's not going to be there. The, the money is going to be put in a bank from the fund. The fund is going to, you know, distribute it through the security token and you're not gonna have this entire army of people having to cut checks and everything like that. So hopefully it's gonna be a, a better, easier investor experience. Um, and like I said, th there's also ways to trade it. So it's not only uh, me and you, uh, you could go to a, a, a securities broker and have him try to sell your, your uh, thing. 
The securities brokers also, some of them are licensed for alternative trading systems, which are like um, a, uh, a, a smaller market. So they can list them on there and other brokers can see that these assets are listed on there. So you can sell them through there. And then there's security token exchanges, which are just coming into maturity and will probably have a lot more assets on them over the next few years. So there's going to, like I say, there's going to be extra options for you to achieve liquidity. Yeah. Yeah. And because of the tokenization, it sounds like you would be able to um, sell and, and trade uh small pieces of, you know, that, that full investment, let's say the full investment was $50,000. Um, eventually you'll be able to trade and sell, you know, let's say $5 or $25,000. You'll be able to break that up. Right. So with the tokenization, um, you could theoretically take, you know, a hundred million dollar property and break it down into individual dollar units. Like you could even break it down into to square footage and somebody could buy a square foot of the property, which would give them a right to, a square footage of the cash flow plus uh, if it's a private syndication in the US, uh, they get the uh, benefits of depreciation and other things. So um, that's the other, you still get all the tax benefits of a, a regular uh, private syndication. And then there's one more thing that I want to talk about, which is just coming into fruition. We're going to see where the market goes with this. Uh, but let's say you have $100,000 of our fund. Um, you've, that basically is a $100,000 asset. If you didn't want to sell that asset, there's this other crazy stuff going on, which is called DeFi, which, you know, we're adding another level of complexity <laughs> to it. But yeah. um, these DeFi platforms, you can put your money up and then borrow against your security token, or you can borrow against your cryptocurrency. So it's another way if you don't want to have a sales event, you could potentially borrow against that and, and you've got a liquid asset then. Gotcha. Gotcha. So where, where are we at from a technology standpoint right now? I mean, is all the stuff we're talking about being put to use as we speak? Um, the technology is all there. Some of the technology um, works as they say it does. And then some <laughs> of the technology, that's why it's taken us so long. Um, because we've gone through a few different iterations. We've talked to uh, most of the major technology providers out there. Um, it's taken us a long time also to make the, the fund tax efficient. So we've spent a lot of legal fees and a lot of attorney fees, or I'm sorry, a lot of accounting fees to make sure that the fund is completely tax efficient especially for the non-US investors. Mm -hmm. It probably would have been much easier for us just to do a US fund at first. And then, you know, but I'm like, well, let's make it, you know, higher level of complexibility and, you know, like dive into the deep end of the pool. So that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> but um, so, but, but the, the technology uh, has been developing since 2017 and the regulations have been pretty much put into solid, you know, that was the other thing is, is confirming that all these regulations are in place. Um, so they're ready to go. The technology is there and, um, you know, stuff is actually active. So there's a, um, there was a, uh, an asset called the Aspen coin, which is a St. Regis hotel in Aspen, Colorado. And that was tokenized, I think back in 2018. 
and it is now actively trading on an exchange here in the United States called T zero. So somebody that is an investor could go and buy a piece of the Aspen St. Regis if it's, you know, since it's listed on T zero, which is a security token exchange. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, so let's, let's break it down really simple to finish out kind of, kind of this discussion, you know, from the investor standpoint, what are just kind of the big advantages of using, utilizing the blockchain tech for this fund before investing well, in a fund? The, the, the biggest thing uh, for the investors is number one, worldwide access to, to new investments. Uh, number two, worldwide access to the uh, investment income and to for portability of your investments. So you, if you happen to have to leave the United States or if you happen to have to leave Venezuela or something like that, you can take your investment with you. It's not going to be stuck there or they're not going to take all your gold jewelry and things off of you. So it's portability. <laughs> well, that, that does happen. It's like sometimes yeah. you want to leave. It's like you can leave, but you know, just right. leave all your assets here. You know, with this, your assets aren't really there. They're out you know, on the blockchain so that you've got control over your assets. Um, the other thing is, is that we believe there will be liquidity. I'm not going to tell anybody that you know, there, there is liquidity because right now it's, it's an untested theory, but um, there are a bunch of ways that you can get liquidity. And then, like I said, the extra options in terms of uh, number one, just getting your money into a different spot so that you can use your money much more, plus the ability at some point to borrow against it and leverage against it. So let's say uh, you've got $100,000 tied up and you know, one of your kids wanted to come to you and open up like a hot dog stand or something. Um, if you wanted to like leverage that and borrow against it, you couldn't do that with a normal private real estate offering. Whereas you could potentially do that. I'm going to borrow the 50,000, I'll loan it to them and, and hopefully they'll pay me back really right away. Mm -hmm. It seems like you're ahead of the curve, man. And you're, you're like right on the brink of, of technology. I mean, where, where do you see uh, in the near and distant future, blockchain technology and real estate kind of colliding and, and interacting, intersecting? Um, I, I, like I say, we are way too far out in front of the curve right now. So we're, <laughs> we're on the scary edge of the curve. Um, so the, the biggest issue is educating people to say that, no, this isn't cryptocurrency. So no, this isn't yeah. Bitcoin. I mean, and um, we don't see it like going crazy. And, and going insane with the pricing like Bitcoin. Uh, but it's also, there's hard assets behind it. it. It's not some sort of algorithm behind it that you hope the software works. This is hard assets, you know, backing this. And so you get the benefit of the hard asset, plus you get the benefit of the, you know, ability to trade it and all the rest of the things that you can do with cryptocurrency. Uh, where I see it is uh, right now, there's probably about $280 trillion worth of real estate um, that, you know, is open for potential. I mean, even if somebody has like a favela in the middle of, Bra of Brazil and they can show title to that, they can potentially borrow against that or list that on the blockchain and then use that as a cash asset to borrow against. Um, and start a business or something like that. So it's going to unlock uh, generational opportunities in terms of wealth. Uh, the other thing I really like to talk about is, is that billions of people have come out of poverty in the, the last, um, since 1990. 
And those billions of people have, are working their way in and are in the middle class. And they're going to need a place to put their money. And uh, you know, what better place to put it than a cash flowing tangible asset? Yeah. So, and then the other thing with tokenization is there's people doing all kinds of other, you know, really cool and neat things with it. So there was a guy in the NBA, Spencer Dinwiddie, and he tokenized his uh, contract with the New York Nets so that he sold the forward earnings potential of his contract and got cash right away. And then the investors get paid out as, you know, this contract gets uh, done. And then another guy that we met out of California has a really cool whiskey fund. And so he's tokenizing barrels of whiskey. Um, so they're buying them now and then they're going to sell them off in five years. And uh, it's really, it's a surprising, surprisingly good return. And it's a cool concept. Yeah, it, it's crazy to think about. I mean, do you foresee a world where everything is tokenized? Like, let's say all real estate is tokenized and then maybe take it a step further where because people are using it for contracts, using it for barrels of whiskey, maybe everything that has value is tokenized. I don't think everything that has value will be tokenized, but I could be wrong. You know, um, just like everything hasn't completely gone to the internet, but uh, I do see there are, there's going to be people devising ways to make money with tokenization and to really just slice and dice income streams. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I, I can see one future and there's financial geniuses out there. They're going to see an even further future than that. So that's, I, I do believe that it's just going to open up opportunities for people to generate wealth. It's going to open up opportunities for people to preserve wealth. And it's going to open up opportunities to be flexible with their wealth so that there's portability. Yeah. When you think about the ways, if this thing works out the way that it should to be able to own these very small fractional shares, I mean, that's just going to lead to a ton of diversification, which is what we're all really aiming for. Exactly. I mean, you, you don't want all your eggs in one basket, just like we designed our portfolio to be diversified. But, um, you know, so let's say you invest in our portfolio as like your your bond type of investment so that you know that there's cash flow coming in you know that there's passive income coming in and then let's say well i want to take a flyer now so they can like you know take a flyer on well let's do a value-added multifamily that you know doesn't quite have the same cash flow profile initially but you know is going to have a higher irr um you can just mix and match all kinds of things my my main goal is, um, you know, I, I just think that the, the stock market is rigged. It's a game and um, you, you never know. I, and that has, you know, been my experience with it, you know, in up and down. And I would just rather see people get something that's super stable and, you know, that has the tax benefits. And, you know, the, I, I, can't, I can't remember who says it, but um, he's so right. It's like real estate is the world's most proven asset class. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about taking control, right? I mean, especially if you can tokenize this stuff and just take fractional shares, you can place, you know, smaller amounts of money with different assets and you just really have more control over your future. So you can create your own economy and, and not just put all your money into a 401k or the stock market and just pray. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the other thing is these are able to be sold by brokers. So a lot of people are just, you know, stuck into the stock market because that's all the broker knows. But if there's these options out there, um, it, it will enable uh, um, 
what I forget what registered investment advisors and stockbrokers and everybody else to to also offer this to their clients. Um, so it'll get, I believe, you know, a more stable situation. But um, somebody could go all real estate and you know have ten to twenty different you know cash flowing assets um, and and make their own you know pick their own portfolio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, before we jump into the Freedom Four, any one last golden nugget for our listeners? Um, I, you know, just am thankful that you invited me here. Uh, I think that, you know, blockchain technology is going to change the future of finance. Um, I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about this. And uh, my years of experience in real estate says that um, this is going to open up just an entirely new frontier. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, you hear about like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but you know, that that may or may not pan out as a financial system, but what you really need to pay attention to is the underlying technology and how you can apply that to different sectors. Yeah, and, and one thing about that, um, security tokens uh, probably within the next few years are gonna completely dwarf all the cryptocurrencies. So right now, I think cryptocurrency hit about a trillion dollars. Um, you know, if you just start opening up a few of these real estate assets, you're going to fly right past that trillion dollars. Um, and it's going to be in debt. It's going to be in uh, equities. It's going to be in, you know, like I said, all kinds. I, I've also, when I was in Dubai, met, met guys that were um, tokenizing container ships, you know, these big shipping things. Mm -hmm. And so they're tokenizing those as an asset. So anything that's an asset is, you know, at some point, um, going to be eligible to be tokenized and you can participate in that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the freedom Four. it's time for the freedom Four. So what's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Uh, number one, I get, uh, in enough sleep. Number two, I, uh, do exercise. Cool. So I, I, I do walking. Awesome. So awesome. My dog is here. It's take your dog to the office day. So he's here and you know, <laughs> come out for a quick walk after this there you go there you go um in an alternative universe where you weren't involved uh with all these businesses in real estate what would you be doing um i think i'd want to be involved in business somehow uh but yeah i nobody's ever asked me that so i don't know and I, <laughs> I, my main problem is i i guess i don't know anything other than real estate <laughs> yeah. um but the really cool thing about real estate, especially in retail real estate, is it touches on just about every type of business that you can get in. So you have to know how people run a retail business. You have to know about zoning. You have to know about law. And so I would say anybody interested in the real estate field, as you know, you attorneys know, um, there's just like all kinds of stuff that real estate touches. So I've learned I've had to be, you know, quite a wide generalist um, just to take in all the stuff that we're doing in retail real estate. So uh, I, I'm sorry to say I, I really haven't thought about, you know, uh, I guess, you know, Rockstar is probably the typical one that, you know. There you go. There you go. Yeah. A lot of people have a hard time answering that question because it's like, well, I enjoy what I'm doing. I love it. I wouldn't do anything differently. So it's tough to kind of picture yourself doing something completely different. Um, where were you at five years ago and where do you see yourself and your business five years from now? Um, five years ago, we were coming out of the, uh, um, great recession. And, uh, so we were investing in shopping centers and doing, uh, in the middle of doing redevelopments on, on a number of shopping centers. And 
it was five years ago that we started pivoting to say, um, it looks like the future of retail is going to be freestanding buildings. Um, and so we want to start, you know, getting, you know, so it, it's part of our business anyways. We, we, you know, do own and have done portfolios of single tenant net lease properties. But as I said, the evolution has been um, malls aren't is going to be as popular anymore. Uh, open shopping centers, you know, were the direction that we were taking them. And then we're just following the evolution of where the retailers want to go because we're really retailer driven, you know, or operator driven. So we're, we're just going to the next logical conclusion and, you know, we're trying to skate where the puck is going. And so that's, you know, what, what we've been doing. And uh, then the other thing five years ago was people were talking to me about blockchain and cryptocurrency. And I said to them, I don't really know what you're talking about because I went to a public school and can't do math. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what algorithms and stuff are, you know. So I, I started learning about blockchain because I'm like, there's so many smart people that I personally know that are talking about this that, you know, I need to know what this is. Yeah. Yeah. How about five years from now? Uh, five years from now, we want to have a, a billion dollar plus fund. And we want to do that to enable our investors to have uh, the super stability of a large number of assets, all cash flowing into the security token. And the other thing is uh, I want to be uh, known as a security token evangelist and, uh, you know, educating people on security tokens and, and hopefully, uh, you know, have a book out on, you know, investing in security, to real estate security tokens. Awesome. Awesome. You're well on your way, man. So last question, how has passive income made your life better? Uh, passive income has made my life better because I can sleep at night, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, uh, I've got a, a bunch of assets at risk over here and I we're, you know, uh, trying to redevelop something here, but especially, um, over the, the last year, uh, you know, I, my regular business took a huge hit because a lot of the tenants in our shopping centers were not paying rent. Uh, and so the passive income on the, the triple net deals, you know, really carried things through. So awesome. It's a lifesaver. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, man, this has been incredibly enlightening for me and I'm sure for our listeners, I've learned a ton, man. So where can our listeners find out more about you, more about the fund? They could go to libertyfund.io. That's libertyfund.io. Um, there's a lot more information on security tokens, on the type of properties that we're investing in, um, and explanations of what a net lease are and, and things like that. And if they want to contact me, they can contact me at investors at libertyfund.io. Sweet, man. Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Seth. I really appreciate talking to you today. Thanks, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Flight. I loved how Michael broke down one of today's most mystifying topics into simple, digestible pieces. And I'm not going to lie, there was a learning curve for myself as well. I think a key takeaway for me is that we as intelligent investors really need to keep a keen eye on blockchain technology and how it will transform real estate investing in the not so distant future. Even if you aren't sold on trading cryptocurrencies, the blockchain is real, it's here, and it's here to stay. 
and we all need to educate ourselves about it so that we're not left behind. All right, to learn more, I invite you all to join Epic, our Esquire Passive Investor Club by going to PassiveIncomeAdourney.com and clicking join the club. Okay, folks, you know what time it is. Enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.